I hit Vancouver in the blazing sun on the 9th of February, 61. And from the 10th of February through till May, it rained and poured all night and day. The more they tried to keep me down, the better I live in this here town. And the more they try to grind you down, Welcome back to another episode of Vancouver Places. Thank you guys for coming back. We've got Dave, we've got Graham, we've got Mike, we've got wine. I know I've made that joke before. I'm going to keep making that joke, but that makes this Vancouver Places. So this is, I think, episode 24 we're just sitting on now. So yeah. we're getting we're getting pretty far into the 111 places in Vancouver that you must not miss. So uh, Graham, Dave, who's going to start us off today? Well, we're both going to contribute to this, but uh, Dave, you looked like you were about to say something. I was just going to say that um, Greenpeace is just something that's kind of for most people think has been around forever. And do, do most people know that the, the organization, the charity, the movements, the political, um, you know, the political organization called Greenpeace originated in Vancouver? You know, I think that some people oh. wouldn't know that. It's a, it's a, it's a global movement. You did not know that. I didn't know that, actually. You did? Mm. I did not know. Well, listen, Grasshopper. Listen, I listen. Because <laughs> you will be illuminated. Graham, and Graham's going to tell you a bit more about exactly where and how it manifested itself in a plaque and the stories we're going to tell about Greenpeace. Yeah. Well, Mike, you know, I like to talk about the hippies in the olden days and the happenings. The happenings. I still you know, love the I'm happenings. Just, I'm just so excited about hippie Vancouver. <laughs> and this is kind of one of those stories. Because it's uh, cast your mind back, if you will, to 1969. I can't do that, but I'm with you. (laughs) Groovy Vancouver. And there's a, there's a, uh, you know, what's going on in the world? Vietnam War is going on. uh, And the United States is testing nuclear weapons. And they're, and they're going to test this nuclear bomb in the ocean outside of, uh, off off the uh, coast of Alaska. And environmentalists, Amchika, yeah, and there's like people that are uh, in Vancouver. Some of them that have that have moved here from the United States, um, but they're concerned about this. And one of the concerns, Mike, is that if they set off this atomic blast, it's going to create some huge tidal wave, which is going to come all the way down here. It's going to like wipe out the city, and it'll wipe out Seattle, it'll wipe out the West Coast. It's going to be a huge disaster. That so they formed this realistic. organization called the Make a Wave Committee, and the Make a Wave Committee uh, decides, you know, we need to stop this uh, test of this bomb. Didn't they want to not make a wave? Wasn't well, they, yeah, but you know, they wanted don't, to make, don't a make a wave. Don't make a wave. Don't make a wave. Was there was bad don't make a wave. Don't make a wave. I don't know. Make a wave. Don't make a wave. <laughs> that has to do with the wave. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all about the tidal wave yeah, yeah. and the and the atomic bomb. And so they want to stop that. And they got Nixon in Washington. It's like, we got to launch the atomic bomb. I forgot to test the bomb. That's a great, that's a great Nixon impression. <laughs> Thank you. I'm just really excited for an opportunity to do Nixon impersonations. <laughs> Stand back, hippies. We're going to test the bomb. Did you, so, mean Nick, did you mean Nixon too, Graham? Or was it just uh, Nixon? Bush? I meant Nixon. No, it was you Nixon. did. I didn't mean it. Richard How Nixon. many presidents? We're, okay, sorry. This is off topic. But no, yeah. So, okay. Continue okay. on with your Nixon story. Anyway. So 111 presidents Graham has met. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the so wave, they formed this committee, the make a wave, don't make a wave, whatever it is, 69, 70 or so on. <laughs> they decide they're going to do this. I really, I'm, they, they, they decide they need to make some money because uh, they, they need some money for their, for their outfit. They actually have a concert. We'll talk about that in a second. They raised some money. 
they just they decide what they're going to do is they're going to rent a boat. They're going to rent a fishing boat and they're going to sail this fishing boat up to Alaska and they're going to park the boat right where the bomb is supposed to go off. And this is kind of their peaceful resistance strategy, right? And they're thinking, look, if you have civilians in the way of the action that they want to stop, they will stop the action. That's that's the theory. So uh, they have a concert, they raise some money, they get a boat. It's a fishing boat. Um, and they name the boat Greenpeace. And it gets all kinds of attention and people around the world are like really interested in this amazing story about these people that are gonna like sail this boat uh, onto a, a, uh, the, the target essentially of a nuclear de detonation in order to stop it. So it captures the world's attention. It's a big media story, but a lot of it is focused around the boat called Greenpeace. And Greenpeace then becomes like the main symbol, the main sort of word. And after that, is when they change the name of the organization about making waves and whatnot to Greenpeace. And that's kind of how it becomes. And there's a there's actually a little plaque down on the boardwalk. And Dave, where would you just sort of, I struggle a little bit to describe where this is. I, I just, would describe that as Kitts Point. I would describe that as Kitts Point and not far from the planetarium, I think, on the seawall there. Well, no, it's, mm. it's, it's a little bit, I think you need to keep going. Do you know that place called Go Fish? That's what I think of okay, yeah, as, yeah. A, as a landmark. Sort of- the, The book describes exactly where it is. Let me, let me take a look it's, here. It's it Fisherman's Wharf and it's on the it's on the seawall. 1500 Island yeah. Park Walk. 1500 Park. Island, that's where I you know. put into your, um, yeah, your Google always, Maps. You know, Dave, they always make us put an address for these things. But is the postal code in there? It probably it is. I have yeah, so, 1585 West the, Second. What's the postal code, Dave? The nearest parking lot is at 1585 West Second, and there's a there's a giant beached whale there that Greenpeace <laughs> is protesting against. But it's it's basically if you're going to Granville Island, if you're from out of town, or even if you're in from in town, if you're going to Granville Island, you are not far away from it. You walk along the seawall towards the uh, Fisherman's Wharf and uh, Creekside Park area. And there's this tiny little plaque uh, right by a, a park. And that marks the spot where that boat was docked before it set off. So it's a, it's a really neat little thing because as you said, Dave, it's a big international organization. Everyone's heard about Greenpeace, but a lot of people don't know that it started in Vancouver. Also, a lot of people don't know that it was right down there near Granville Island where there was a fishing boat and there's still fishing boats uh, there today. Um, and uh, they just renamed it for the purpose of this uh, adventure, Greenpeace. And from there, you know, kind of the rest is history sort of thing. Well, I think that I remember that protest for Amchitka when I was in high school because it was a really big deal. The Americans were going to detonate a nuclear bomb in Alaska. And Greenpeace or the, whatever organization was encouraging high school students and university students to mount a protest. And we took the day off school. I would look for any excuse not to go to class. I don't even know what was happening. But we, all, we all rallied somewhere to rally against the bomb in Manchitka. Yeah. Then um, Greenpeace really got into the news again in 1985 with a, a ship called the Rainbow Warrior, which went right. down to um, the South Pacific and... It was going to, again, try to pre prevent a nuclear test in 1985. The gentleman's name that uh, was in the news and is synonymous with the organization is Patrick Moore. And back then He's in Auckland great. Harbor. Is this like Patrick Moore. Do, you, do you know he follows me on Twitter, Dave? Wow. Um, well, That's one of my um, big bragging rights. Richard Nixon certainly doesn't. But, um, I wish Patrick that he did. Moore, 
Graham, I had no idea you were such a celebrity, but you know, Nixon follows me, Patrick Moore. But sorry, so this is so, the bomb. This this ship got bombed, didn't it? Didn't I? I think I've heard yes, about this. Yes, it did. The, yeah. And the, the, if you read about it, it's kind of interesting because they went down because the French were detonating bombs in the South Pacific. So a boat called the Rainbow Warrior, not called the Greenpeace, heads down to the Auckland Harbor and it's going to put itself in harm's way and create, you know, attention and everything. And then it gets sunk in the harbor and a photographer on board the boat gets killed. Mm. And later on, it, it leads it leads to the French government um, kind of, you know, being. Uh, it, yeah, wasn't it like the, there was like spies the, in, in, yeah. the, in New Zealand or something crazy, right? It was like the French uh, SAS it's, or whatever. Yeah, there was like all sorts of intrigue, but I, it, I'm digressing from the little, the little Greenpeace plaque. No, but that's that, it, I'm glad you raised it because it's actually um, uh, sort of part part of the way that they operate was this idea of putting themselves between in in danger, but between things, right? So there was yes. uh, between uh, themselves and the uh, and the bomb, but then later it would turn into the whaling stuff too, right? So you had these uh, whaling ships that would be going out hunting for whales, and they would navigate their they would launch a little speedboat off of the Rainbow Warrior, um, and they would try and get in between the whaling ship and the whale. Uh, but that was kind of the whole strategy. And it, anyway, it all began, the sort of point is it all really like ground zero for this, if I can use that term, was right here in Vancouver. And you can see that little plaque on the, on the seawall. And it's that one little moment. And it, it's, it'd be kind of fun to, you know, Google some newspaper stories and look at some of the old archival photographs, old black and white photographs of uh, people gathered down in that spot. And you can stand there and sort of look out um, towards where that hap- piece of history happened yeah. and everything else and that sort of followed from that. Well, I think of seal hunting. I think of whaling. I think of nuclear tests. And I think of forestry movements. And uh, Patrick Moore's background was his father was, a, a, I think, a union leader within the forestry industry. And Patrick Moore lived in small towns up and down Vancouver Island. And and now yep. he's left and he's a consultant on the other side. And yeah. he's one of and his he is a theorist that global warming is kind of a hoax. And he's very what? anti he's anti-greenpeace. Yeah. No. So the whole he's story. Anti-green. Of, yeah. Well, yeah. He's here's his here's his thing. If I I can't really speak on his behalf, but um, you know, for for following him and listening to what he has to say. He has a really interesting kind of a theory, and I think it applies to a lot of other organizations where you have a mandate. Um, and at some point or other, I, th- I think he would agree that Greenpeace achieved the mandate that it set out to do. So if it's set out to stop nuclear uh, testing, achieved. If they set out to stop um, whaling or to draw attention to that issue, achieved. And I think he sort of reached a point in his career with Greenpeace where he sort of said, you know, I think we've achieved everything that we set out to achieve. We're now just sort of perpetuating the organization beyond what we really set out to do. Mm. And it's an interesting thing when you look at organizations, uh, especially ones that are formed, you know, at a church basement or in some guy's living room or some place where you get together when you want to achieve one specific sort of thing. At, At what point do you say, congratulations, everybody, we've achieved what we set to do. It's time to like shut her down. And for him, I think he reached a point where he said, I'm done. Um, I think we've achieved what we needed to do. It's time to stop. And then there's other people within the organization who said, 
sayonara, Patrick, you might be done, but we're not. And, you know, so they kind of had that parting of ways. That's kind of how I see it. Is there any remnants of like the roots of Greenpeace still in town? Do they have an office? Is that? Well, there's that plaque, which, you know, is a public thing you can see, but it's, you know, if you were really interested in it, there is a, um, the first president of Greenpeace was Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Hunter. And uh, they used to have some early meetings in his home in Shaughnessy. Um, The uh, one of the other key organizers was Irving Stowe, and he had a home in West Point um, Gray, where they used to. Yeah, one of the chapters in in our 111 book is uh, the Nam Restaurant at Fourth and McDonald's. And uh, when we researched that that restaurant and its origins in the 60s. Greenpeace held meetings there in the late That's 60s. Right. Yeah, very I forgot about that. The it, makes, it makes sense that one of the gentlemen is from Point Grey and one of the other gentlemen is yeah. from um, you know the same area. And their so, first um, office was in Kitsilano as well. Wow. So um, David, Suki, David Suzuki Foundation of Vancouver, Greenpeace in Vancouver. I'm not surprising right. you know, that these movements take foot in this liberal environment and that, uh, that we're concerned about our environment. It's uh, wonderful. It's great. It's yeah. Great do you guys have any last facts or last thoughts about the the Greenpeace plaque? Or I guess Greenpeace is starting in Vancouver in general. Well, you know, mine is a very shallow last comment on that, which is about go fish. You know that that little Mike. You obviously you must have been there. I have never been there. Well, you must go there because it's this to, great little. It it's a seafood shack, which is just a stone's throw away. It's like I, seriously, it's like thirty feet away from this plaque, and. Um, fresh fish and you just buy it right there. It's like this little fish shack and you can sit on the uh, park bench and you can uh, just have this great uh, little meal and you can look out over Granville Island and where uh, the Greenpeace story started. It's a terrific little place. Sounds great. So that's the last thought. Go to Go Fish, go check out the plaque. Yeah, that's I uh, leave it at that. I mean, it's very interesting that we don't have enough plaques in Vancouver and that one has a real cool backstory that we've tried to uh, try to convey today in the last 10 or 12 minutes. Like I said, like I say in the end of these episodes, a lot of time, I generally learn something new because I do not know what we're getting into when we record these episodes. (laughs) And that's brand new. I knew about Greenpeace. I've obviously lived in Vancouver for a while. I did not know that it started here. So I always learn something new. Hopefully our listeners learn something new and uh, hopefully you come back next week and you will learn something else new about the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and come back to Vancouver places. So tell you fun, interesting stories about the city of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada that you must not miss. So thanks very much. We'll see you next week.